It's Friday, May 21st. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. How's it going, fellas? So good. So much better than it's going for Tyler. Woo! Tyler's dragging a little bit this morning, or a lot of bit. I was was up late last night. I'm feeling it. What's late? Tell me late. Let's play this game. Probably close to midnight. That's about it. Close to midnight? It was after lots of swimming. I played cards. My mother-in-law's in town. We like to play cards. Hey, cool. Midnight. Late. I'm going to ask you to just pump your volume. Just pump your volume a little bit. You don't have to bring up your energy. Just pump your volume. You know what I mean? That's not. There's no volume. All right. Uh, Yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. Pump it up. Pump (laughs) it up. Okay. uh, Let's get straight to today in tech history. Got a few things here, man. Um, This one's kind of cool. Actually, so this is yesterday. Sorry. I know Kieran always gives me. Crap about that. He's like, it's not today. It's yesterday for like ninety percent of the things you share. Going back a year. No, I know, I know. It's fine. Just deal with it. Okay. (laughs) It was your idea. Just deal deal with with it. it. (laughs) Okay. The first solo. This is uh, yesterday, May twentieth. Let you guys guess the year if you want. First solo flight across the Atlantic. Do you know what year? Two thousand (laughs) three. False. Negative. Twenties. Yep, 1927. You got the right decade. There we go. So aboard the Spirit of St. Louis monoplane, Charles Lindbergh takes off from Roosevelt Field in New York on his historic first solo flight across the Atlantic Ocean. He will arrive in France in 33 and a half hours. (whistles) Yeah. And then again, yesterday, five years after that, to the day, the first female to fly solo across Atlantic and turns out to be just the second person to ever do it. That's five uh, years to the day. Earhart, right? Amelia That's Earhart. right. Amelia Earhart. Yeah. That's absolutely right. She took off from uh, Newfoundland, Newfoundland, however it is you want to say that. And uh, her original destination was uh, France. Uh, let's see. Where did? Yeah, France. So she, she was trying to fly to the same place that Charles Lindbergh went to. Uh, weather, mechanical cool. problems, all that kind of stuff. She ended up landing in Ireland uh, roughly 15 hours after she took off. First woman and second person to fly solo across the Atlantic. So 1927 was Charles Lindbergh, and then 1932 was Amelia Earhart. Can you imagine that? I, I can't 33 that. hours. Now, that's a really long time to be alone in a vehicle that any major issues results in, well, like certain Likely death. Likely certain death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It took me okay. 16 hours to get to Croatia. Things have come a long way from now. Yeah, and they're about to come further, too. I don't actually have the article in front of me, but um, there's a new supersonic jet very much in the works. And, oh, yeah, uh, the one that's supposed to take you anywhere in an hour? Yeah, they're targeting low cost in the long run. They said they got a long way to go before they get to the point where they're doing like $100 seats. Yeah, it's it'll be the first time since the Concorde that we have commercial air travel that's supersonic. And it's it's very supersonic. I forget. Oh man, I wish I had it right at my fingertips. But it's it's a it's more than a yeah more than the than the low number of multipliers there. It's it's a good bit. Yeah, fast. you're going to the edge of space. You're you're going to experience some microgravity. I think. Um, cool. If uh, I think, I mean, you have to. If you're if you're going to go from one place on the planet anywhere to very very far away as hour, on the other yeah. side of the world in an hour, uh, you got to get up out of the atmosphere so you can go super fast, get all those air molecules out of the way. Okay, so this one is today, May 21st. Let you guess the year here. 
Connecticut enacts the first speed limit law in the U.S. Boo. <laughs> yeah. Boo. Uh, first speed limit law. Yeah, you wouldn't guess the Man, year. I don't know. Did they, would they care? Thirties. Yeah, maybe it was late 18s. That makes yeah, more sense, actually. So, so speed limits before you had like ICE engines, right? Yeah, 1901. Oh, wow. Nice. Limiting their speed to 12 miles per hour in cities and 15 Heck. miles per hour on country roads. So they don't want you to run? <laughs> that's actually a good point you can ride a bicycle these days at you know 30 miles an hour um, that's nuts yeah that's pretty funny so okay cool 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 that's what i got uh you want to shift to uh to uh today modern to, to, the, technology? to the tech news yeah to the to tech the news what do you want to talk about snap i want to talk about first AR google glasses? being stupid okay because they have <laughs> Google, um, you dumb. What'd you Tell me do, about it. Google. Yeah, Google, you <laughs> dumb. Uh, the uh, so we saw that there were the leaks of the Pixel Six, uh, which we trolled Tim with, which is which is fun. I enjoy that. That's a, <laughs> that's a good that's a good thing that Google has provided us with. However, Google continues to make baffling and ridiculously stupid <sighs> design decisions. And, and their Pixel 6 Pro, we don't know if that's the name. That's just what they're calling it right now. They've decided to go with a curved screen on the device. What? No! How Which way? Bad Google. Idea that is. Bad. Like, no! Like con- concave, convex, or like no, they'll, top they'll, curve. It's the edges. It's like it's the it's stupid like edge curve The thing stuff. Samsung does yeah, on yeah, yeah. a lot yeah. of their phones. Okay. And it's so dumb. Because it just edges. breaks and it serves no purpose other than breaking easily. Accidental touches and it will break. And it makes oh, it very yeah. difficult to put cases on it. It's just it, it serves sucks. no tangible purpose. It is so dumb. Ugh, I cannot I'm angry. believe they're making it's I, I hate everything better, about the fact that they're making the phone this. I didn't even think about the rage quit this thing. podcast. Just to hold the phone, you're like pressing the screen. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. It's dumb. Absolutely ridiculous. Kate is even upset about it. You yeah, her man, she came in. She has a voice her smile on her face. Well, <laughs> maybe, maybe, that's, maybe she's upset. Maybe she's not. But the smaller Pixel Six <laughs> leaked with a flat screen. Oh, <laughs> looks like that's the one I'm getting. But it also has fewer cameras, and it's not Don't as want cool it anymore. And stuff I quit. Like that. So they I just quit. I quit it all. Google, we just need you to know that we hate you. And Curve screens are stupid. That's basically what it comes down to is that you're dumb. You make dumb decisions and that's why you have no friends. So yeah, take that Google. So anyways, that was my, I saw that this morning and I was very upset. I could have gone my whole day without knowing that. So now I'm mad. Oh man. Okay. Hey, but Google doesn't, always do dumb stuff because, uh, and I don't know if you guys touched on this when I had to, to ghost on you on Wednesday, but, um, they announced that they are basically opening a division uh, at Google HQ for creating um, error-corrected qubits. So they are going heavy into the quantum computing space, which is cool. Error-corrected qubits. What right. That so, well, you got... to start with what qubits are. Well, qubits are the one of the fundamental ways to actually use, uh, like to calculate in a quantum computing environment. Uh, gotcha. there, I think there are a couple other ones that function a little different and I'm forgetting their names off the top of my head. But um, 
qubits Instead of ones are, and zeros, it's like yes, no, and maybe. It kind of, yeah. They take advantage of superposition. <laughs> so it it I don't it's not not quite like that. Um and honestly, it's been a while since I read about how how the I guess modern qubit based systems are working. But the problem is they're really sensitive mm-hmm. to uh disruption. Qubits are. And um one of the one of the big problems with qubits is that small perturbations can basically change change the data. It'll it'll flip the bit, for instance. And that includes uh, you know, highly energetic cosmic particles, stuff like muons, which go through most materials, uh, mm. will hit those qubits and change their value, which makes it tough to, to get an answer yeah. you can trust. Well, so, they, you know what they should do? Sorry, real quick, just thinking, yeah, go. trying to help them out. They need to take yeah. that 15-second anti-skip stuff from the CD Walkman Smart. thing, apply it here to quantum computing. Talk to Sony. Keeps, yeah, keep some. I don't, I'm yeah. sure Google didn't think of that. Google should have thought of that. Maybe maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you are doing the wrong thing. Right? Maybe These they thought jokes. if we curve the screen, then we can, <laughs> you know, determine superposition and be in two places at once and blah, 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 blah. And Kate is waving to everyone. And it's just <laughs> we're waving back. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I think it's really Sorry, cool that they're they're opening up a division. Um, I think that the uh, the idea of error corrected. Um, qubits obviously is necessary, but it's great that they're already well on their way, apparently. And um, so this, this is, I'm, this I'm is just meaning of, that if one accidentally gets flipped, then it goes back and it says, hey, you're not supposed to be that way. You need to go this way. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't been able to look into it enough. My understanding is that it may actually just be an array of qubits that represents a qubit. So, so okay. that, that was like the brief description that I saw kind of talked about that. So they'll, they'll create a single quantum qubit, then they'll scale that out to many quantum qubits and they'll basically have them do the same thing at one time and they'll probably get like a statistical sample of all of those okay. qubits to make a logical qubit that so logical like qubit meta... will be trusted. I gotcha. The, I or gotcha. the reading of that logical qubit is more trusted. It, and don't get me wrong, like I have not seen much about this and I don't know how much they've published yet either. Um, that was just the way that it was presented. Oh, um, that quantum was what I understood. Error, quantum error correction is used in quantum computing to protect quantum information from errors due to decoherence and other quantum noise, which is what you were just explaining. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it is possible to spread the information of one qubit onto a highly entangled state of several physical qubits. So that's cool. So so that's, that's roughly right. Uh, You take, you take a physical qubit, you scale it to a bunch, you make a bunch of those physical qubits, a single logical qubit, you abstract it. And then uh, you have enough, uh physical qubits basically you get quorum and and you can say i'm good that makes sense anyways that's really cool because i i think the application of quantum computers where we can you know establish quantum supremacy is going to really open up some interesting stuff in particular in like material science and and areas like that where it's mathematically impossible for us to calculate the volume of states uh, so you need something that far exceeds the normal computational power of uh, of a traditional, you know, circuit, right? And this is so, Google opening a division to do what with it? Just to go to to, to basically achieve that, right? To, okay. to create it in in the the very <laughs> um, high level roadmap is you know get get error corrected qubits and then build error corrected quantum computers off of those qubits. So that's uh, it's a lofty goal, but it, it'll be it'll be game changing in a lot of spaces, I think, when they get there. And um, if 
if they continue to find applications, like I said, where there's where they, they can prove quantum supremacy, which I would expect error, error corrected bits are pretty critical to being able to prove that too. Um, then, uh, and quantum supremacy does a reminder, it just means that the quantum computer or something that's built on qubits or some of those other, uh, I guess, styles um, are able to produce accurate results faster than traditional computing for whatever the application is. So what, what's really interesting to me is the the applications that traditional computers will never get an answer for. And we'll start to get answers from quantum computing. And then you'll be able to test that empirically, which is awesome. What's fascinating to me is that you could be like dead asleep on three hours of rest that you just got. And then like your brain finally turns on because you take a sip of coffee and then <laughs> blah, all, this, all this like quantum computing, like higher level air bit qubit correction stuff comes out. Let of me face. tell you how we're going to correct the qubit problem that I've been thinking like, about what? the last three days. <laughs> It's interesting stuff. What what better way to wake up? Yeah, but you go from like zero to a hundred real quick. <laughs> anyway, um, that's cool, man. That'll be really interesting to see what happens in the future. What is not cool is that companies keep keep paying uh, these hackers and ransomware uh, folks. Did y'all see the one yesterday? CNA where Financial they paid, Corp. Where they paid all of their money? Where all of the money is gone? <laughs> Yeah. Oh gosh, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Let's just say that these these uh, <laughs> these ransomware people are making some some serious no. So CNA Financial Corp. That was funny. <laughs> among among the largest insurance companies in the world, they paid a forty million dollar ransom. Oh my gosh! Yeah, this just yeah, came out. It was in late March. This is the largest. What? This is the largest one ever to be admitted, right? We don't know if it was. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and let's let's be Tesla clear. A million, like two hundred billion or something. Right. One. They should not. They should not have admitted that. Like that's embarrassing. It really yeah. is. Well, in this this uh, article goes into it. it says the average ransom demand is now between fifty and seventy million dollars. They negotiated it down to forty million and paid it. I'm just like, so, and then so they're estimating. Yeah, go ahead. That the that the ransomware providers are like employing people that are kind of like debt collectors or like, hey, so listen, if you if you go ahead and pay this today, we'll go. We'll give you. We'll give you <laughs> right. this for like seventy percent of the total costs. Like, you think that that's a thing? Because I'm I'm starting to think that there's some some sophistication here where they actually have like a yeah. business line people are calling into. That's Let's let's do price. it one better, and and if it doesn't exist, let's find out if there's a legal way to be a ransomware debt collector. <laughs> I, I think that we group... didn't we didn't deploy the ransomware. We're not asking for a ransom. We are simply collecting a debt. <laughs> okay, let's everyone I, go. Grab I don't your see how that works. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this group is making more money than Twitter. You know, it's oh, of course they've got they've got all kinds of sophistication around this. It's just insane. Well, it it just would insane. help if Twitter's CEO cared about Twitter. Yeah, that's just, true. Just oh, burn. No, it's I mean, come on, Jack, Jack come care. on the show and, and tell me why I'm wrong. Yep. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And oh, Twitter related man. news. They are coming out with uh, Twitter verified is, is relaunching again. They shut it down in 2017 and it's coming back. What at is you. it? What What is that? Tell me more about that. Yeah, so here in a few weeks, you'll be basically like go into your mobile app or I guess on the on the web browser if you do that anymore. But um, go into settings, go to account, and then there'll be a little button where you can request for verification. 
Um, and they, they are six there. Excuse me. Get my English right. There are six categories where you can qualify for verification. Government is one. Companies, brands, and organizations is another. News organizations and journalists. It's basically us. That's all I'm saying, right? Let's do uh, it. Entertainment. That's also us. Uh, sports and gaming. And that's activists, us. organizers, and other influential individuals. That's also that's us. us. Pow, pow. So, so, so are we so going to get, get three it? checks? It, yeah. We pow, should pow, get at least three. I thought it was four. Didn't we count four? We said maybe, yes to a lot of maybe stuff. Maybe it's four. I don't know, dude. I don't yeah. know how to fix super. We're also a brand. Yeah, correction that would be whatever. That'd be four checks. So, <laughs> Boom. Well, let's let's get some checks. Anyway, not, I, not don't cereal. I don't know. I don't eat cereal. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's funny though, like it's interesting what people think about accounts that have a check mark. I saw somebody, uh, somebody was retweeting something that somebody sent them. They were talking about the cost of something, and somebody responded to them and said, um, Why in the world are you complaining about the cost of something? You're verified on Twitter. As if like uh, being verified on Twitter means you have millions of dollars or something. I don't know. People are weird. People are weird. Does it mean you have millions of dollars? No, no, I don't. I don't think have a so. check, and I don't have millions of dollars. So, I mean, that's one more data point on the pile. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, people are weird. All right, what else do you want to talk about? Data point on the pile. We'll stick with social media. Uh, okay. So it's <clears throat> it's interesting on Google Play Store. The rating for Facebook has dropped dramatically. What's that's not surprising okay. to me. What's funny to me is that, <clears throat> well, since since apparently advertisements are the root of all evil uh, according to just the earth now uh the uh the thing that's interesting to me is is that it was rated so highly before there's a five (laughs) and it was rated a four but now all of a sudden in the last few months you've decided that facebook is terrible and it is now rated a 2.6 out of four which it has over like that's a significant billion or something installs like a trillion zillion they can't even count all the installs of this thing it has 115 million pieces of feedback and it was able to drop from four to 2.6 like the amount of people it takes to yeah. influence that big of a drop yeah wow is unbelievable and that, in any that makes me think system. it can't be it can't be an average of every single one it has to be an average over like a previous period that's constantly moving forward i, I would imagine they have it for something like you know the last year or yeah. x amount of months or, or whatever it might be but nonetheless be the drop is just unbelievably dramatic that all of a sudden uh, people just just detest Facebook. And, so what uh, is that in, in our topic summary? Do I just write everyone hates Facebook? I would write everyone <laughs> hates hates Facebook. It, it's just yeah. it's just incredibly interesting to me how easily I'll just say public opinion is shifted. Now I can yeah. understand people listening to our show and then aligning with our opinions because yeah, we're incredibly influential, which is why we're going to have four checks. But and funny you know, and handsome four check club, yeah. So that's the, uh, I don't know, it just stuck out to me because there's just a lot of flack on uh, big tech. I've been reading Google I.O. was this week. So there's like, you know, a million different articles on Google I.O. stuff in the comment section, which is always the best part of any article. uh, Just (laughs) so many things that people were writing about. And and it it always turns into an Apple versus Google thing somehow 100% (laughs) of the time. And, I, and I'm reading this stuff, and I'm so glad that I'm not reading this like is a 15 year 
earlier version of myself because I definitely used to be internet argument guy, and now I'll just sort of let it go. But it was just what I said somebody's there, wrong I, on the internet. I, I read like a hundred comments, and over one hundred percent of them were wrong about their point. <laughs> they, were, they were making counterpoints to each other that were undeniably wrong, and it was just it just illustrates how some people create some form of undying love for a company or a product ecosystem that makes them irrational. And it's, it's insane to me. It's actually the, I've never actually had any major beef with Apple products. Like we, you know, we give Apple flack all the time and there's, there's, there's actually workflows for Apple that I I don't like, but I I don't, it doesn't bother me. I've never cared about them. They make good products. uh, they don't have curved edge phones. They don't have curved edge phones like Apple. Screens, great design decision. High five, Apple. Doing a there, great job it. over there. I <laughs> uh, love my iPad. What, what I've always hated is, is this weird flock of like user behavior. And, and I recognize 65% of our users use iPhones. Most of the people who are tech enthusiasts love you. for tech podcasts are not the people I'm referring to. Like there's another article sitting here that says Apple wants users to trust iOS, but it doesn't trust ios users and then it also goes to and it's correlated to this other thing that's coming out with the epic and apple trial which is the level of mac malware is not acceptable said a person who is in charge of this at apple at apple and they're saying they can't open up ios to be like mac os because then it would be flooded with malware which by the way not surprising to probably anyone listening to this that Mac has malware and viruses. I, right. I, have, I have tried to fix Mac computers in the past that were flooded with pop-ups and all this crap happening just like a Windows XP computer. But the person who I was fixing it for was like, I thought Macs didn't get viruses because I saw that commercial <laughs> with Justin Long. In the 90s. Like, I'm a Mac and I'm a PC and I'm perfect and I'm not. And so it created this weird scenario where everyone thought that Macs were not a personal computer for whatever reason and they were impenetrable <laughs> like i get people who send me because i use linux it's right? wild how effective computer. that advertising oh, oh my gosh so hugely effective. and it created these just droves of people who have no idea about how any of this stuff works and it surprised them so someone sent me an article the other day and they go hey so i saw that linux has a vulnerability and that it could have some malware in it and and i'm a linux user that's why they sent it to me because it's and I, and I was like yeah, it's an operating system. That's they're right. like, they like, all don't have you those. use it because it doesn't get viruses? And I'm like, no. No, dude. <laughs> no, that is, it, no, that was a, a bad take. <laughs> it's just so dumb. And I don't know where people come up with this so stuff. Dumb. Oh, <laughs> anyways, it's... the users drive wow. me crazy. And uh, so it's just, it's funny to see Apple. Apple would, of course, and, and they shouldn't, they shouldn't be like admitting this stuff. They have to do this for the, the trial. Obviously, so I'm, I, I would never expect them to come out and say, "Oh, by the way, we do get all these viruses or whatever it might be." I just, granted, I hated those commercials because of what it created, but it's just funny to me seeing these comment sections and the people just, just going in and making absurd, just sort of assumptions about the way things people operate. Like I saw one person yesterday make a comment about Apple's whole ad tracking thing and how they have a two plus billion dollar ad business and everyone just sort of decided to ignore that or that no one responded (laughs) to that that. like we'll just leave that alone because it doesn't go with the rhetoric of google's all about getting data and doing this and it was just oh my gosh it's but i will tell you i never want those comments to end because no no oh my gosh get your popcorn in reading just the passion 
that exists from these people about being wrong. And it's just, uh, it's really, really enjoyable for me. So anyways, I'm looking oh, forward to awesome. the next announcement event from, I don't know, is, is Apple next? I don't know, what is WWDC come up? I'm sure the same comments are going to come up in both of them. Yeah. Oh, of course. Always. I don't know if you've spent any just time defending on trillion dollar enterprises is something lay people should be doing on a regular basis because that <laughs> <Right>? makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the same vein, if you've been on any sort of cryptocurrency uh, Twitter thread or art, like comments, articles, um, forums at all, it's exactly the same thing. It's oh, exactly dude, and console People are dying wars. on hills of, for technology they don't even understand, right? Not even kind of. Yeah, not even kind of. My, my and, and I'm always reminded was about how Google or about how Apple are only one guy literally said this. I should have screenshotted it. Said that they are only in business to serve people. That was his comment. He was for like, who? "I'm for frowning Apple, for, for everybody who's he was listening." Like, he goes like deep. Frown. He goes, "The only reason why Apple exists is to serve the people." Like that's his genuine belief. And I'm like, and and, and then he went on to talk about the shareholders so. of Google <laughs> and how they should be disappointed in GCP because it's not growing at an appropriate rate. Which, by the way, horrible take. <laughs> and <laughs> And I thought to myself, I'm like, you doing? know, Apple has shareholders as well, which also <laughs> would be very disappointed in, in different takes. With I just, it's just amazing that they're like, yeah, they're here for the people. It's like, no, they're here no, for absurdly no, wide not. profit margins, which, by the way, <laughs> is okay, right? Like because that's they're a company. Fine. <laughs> that, it's impressive. Okay thing to it's do. it's another one of the things I'd like to high five them on. Yeah, it is exactly. impressive how well they do. <laughs> and no curved screens. Apple, you keep <laughs> you're <and> killing you. <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, it's you're, funny you're in a hearing bad you day today. Hearing you get so passionate about people on the internet, I'm reminded of of something uh, a colleague of mine back in the day used to to lay down on me regularly, which is the undeniable fact that 50% of everyone is below average. Right? <laughs> And when you're online and you're seeing and interacting, even if it's just by reading comments with tens, if not hundreds of millions of them, you're going to get a lot of everything. Yeah. And the people with the most ridiculous statements are the ones that are the most uh, liberal with sharing them. Yeah. Well, no, that's that's a well-established. Anyway. No, that's, that's like a, there's a, there's a name for that. That's a well-established, like, I don't think it's a logical fallacy, but it, it's along those lines. It's it it. I'm Dunning Kruger comes to mind, but that's not that's not the one. It doesn't apply here, right? Well, it might, I guess, in some ways. But it's the the less you know about something, the more likely you are to just go shout from the hilltops something that has just been planted in your brain. It's it is. I don't know. I got to go find the name of that. Security. Yeah, I think, it's I think so a lot strange. of it also comes down to people who are trying to defend their um, product purchase decisions, which is something I've <laughs> never understood. Never call my baby yeah. ugly. I, I think that I think that hits the nail on the head, Russ. Because if you, you think about it from a like a device perspective, or from a cryptocurrency mm. perspective, or anything like that, they went and they made a decision to purchase that thing, right? And it might have been a lot of money relative to their you know assets and that kind of stuff, which makes it even more yeah. acute. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. What are the kind of news we got here? We do have crypto news, but it's also not surprising. U.S. US Treasury Treasury one. Yeah. Yeah. Go go for it. It sounds like you got it up. Yeah. uh, U.S. Treasury calls for stricter cryptocurrency compliance with IRS. Is anyone surprised? Nope. Uh, Says they pose tax evasion risk. 
The Treasury Department announced that it will require any transfer worth $10,000 or more to be reported to the IRS. So my understanding is that only applies to businesses right now, but it isn't surprising. Correct. Yeah. It's so a, I also think it's a good thing. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. you know, one of the one of the big reasons I think it's a good thing is that I see this topic. You talk about people being wrong on the Internet a lot. I see the topic about it being cryptocurrency is somehow naturally easier to do more nefarious things from a monetary transaction perspective. And and that is wrong. It's wrong. It, cash is still and will continue to be king for all of that stuff. And we did the same thing with cash that we're doing with crypto now. But guess which one's easy to audit? Crypto, which has always been the claim. Now, not all crypto. There are cryptocurrencies that were designed with privacy in mind. And those arguments are probably a little bit more appropriate for that. But I would also argue that cash flow is under the table so easy. Oh, for sure. But but it's funny because there's there's the same law exists for cash. Like oh, buying oh, things sure. in cash for t- with ten thousand dollars also a copy and sets paste. a flag off. It it is it is a if you do this you must self report and if we find it you're in trouble right. But the the beautiful thing if you will about it is that Bitcoin and most cryptocurrency that's available today and and widely adopted with a few exceptions has a public ledger. This is this is the beauty of a blockchain, which means if they see more than $10,000 move from Bitcoin, they can trace it back to where that wallet came from. And in most cases at this point, it, I won't say it's easy because uh, there are ways to transact you know, outside of an exchange and stuff like that. But know your customer laws mean that most wallets have identities tied to them. At some point, it's going to be easy to identify and they can chase it back forever. Yeah. And they can see where it moves after that. There's no you know, weird sovereign nation banking system, you know, like, let me go talk to the Cayman Islands and find out if they'll let me, you know, uh, drop a subpoena and get information for that bank account. No, it's go to address watch if move, follow new one. Like it's that easy. Yeah. Meanwhile, earlier this week, I was at a, uh, at a car, um, at a car dealership which feels like a really lame way to describe this place because they had like Lamborghinis and Ferraris and Corvettes and all this kind of crazy <laughs> Sounds stuff. Sounds like a car dealership. Yeah, it no, sure but, it, but it's special specialized though. It's anyway. It's Do they need a fancy car. name because they got fancy Te- cars? Texas I believe we call those high-end car dealerships. High-end oh, yeah, specialty. Oh, nice. I call it a specialty Osh. car dealership. High-end specialty. Were they all special? Actually, you know what? I, probably sh- I probably shouldn't call them out, but... Yeah, maybe I'll go back and, and delete their name here. But anyway, so I'm sitting there talking to uh, to one of the people that works there, and uh, there's this thing on the floor, and I'm like, "What is that? A is that a gold money counter?" And he's like, "Yeah, someone came in and bought like a super nice car the other day with just straight cash." And I was like, "What am I supposed to do with this?" And he said, "Oh, don't worry about it. I have a I have a money counter." <laughs> and so he sets this so, like Bags solid looking yeah money counter on the thing and. He counted up. Guy walks away with the car, and uh, he said, "You know what? Keep the money counter." And so it was sitting in the guy's office. Uh, That's awesome. That's not legit money. Um, Sounds clean to me. I mean, now. (laughs) Yeah, now it's clean. Now it's clean. That's right. That's right. Uh, Uh, Well, and I wanted to point out the reason why reason why I think this is a good thing. Um, What China? I think yesterday China potentially cause the um the fire sale which was awesome thank you china you make better decisions than google 
Um, China's had that position for six years. I know. If so if it's important, then, then it's it's Nothing more changed. it's more of the same. That's Which <laughs> is a good thing. It means we can watch I, them. Wait fire for the You're right. this sale. It's a good thing. <laughs> what, what I think... So this is, this is the other side of that, though. I believe, in my opinion, the sort of public acknowledgement of this sort of IRS policy for Bitcoin is an acknowledgement by the United States government, maybe indirectly, that Bitcoin is here to stay or crypto is here to stay. So I, well, think, that that is, uh, I think that that is sort of a positive in that. I do too. I like to see, I mean, it. it's the more they regulate around it, the more serious they're taking it, right? And right. no it's doubt. It's also being because, mentioned in every financial news show every sure. single day. Like I well, often that, watch Squawk on the Street or at least try to catch like the first 20 minutes of it. They mentioned Bitcoin every day for the past four months. Right, which is Actually, what's really interesting about that to me is that the same thing happened in 2017. Like it hit the news, and that's when you saw the hockey stick for one of the yeah. last, you know, all-time high sort of periods, right? Um, but but to that end, one of the big differences between 2017 and 2021 from the cryptocurrency space that I noticed is that there are a lot more institutional investments that are public about what they're doing. So and, and some of that, some of that because between 2017 and 2021, we we kind of to the in the same vein, this regulatory vein, the, the fintech sector created futures for cryptocurrency or for some cryptocurrencies. I don't think I, well, actually I, I take that back. I think some do actually kind of cover the market, right? Like you've got crypto ETFs now, you've got crypto options trading, you've got crypto uh, futures in general. Um, and and so those things, in particular, that institutional um, sort of guerrilla motion, means that the the IRS is going to pay more attention because it's not just kids buying pizza with sixteen thousand Bitcoin that's now worth you know four billion dollars. It's it's corporations which have people whose jobs are entirely designed around avoiding taxes, not evading. Different. Avoidance, commendable, evasion, illegal. <laughs> um, and, and so so paying closer attention to it makes more sense. So but but it does. It screams like, hey, this is mainstream enough for us to care. And I think that's good in general. Yeah, Taxes you. aren't fun, don't get me wrong, but mm. um, I do think it's good. It is also worth pointing out when I was reading the thread about this last night, it, it got into a, a discussion around a taxable event that went on. Because in, in Tyler, you and I talked about like the the um, gosh capital gains tax. Yeah, that, long that, versus that, short. Yeah, exactly how it's 100%. treated as an asset. Sure. And, and one thing, and, and that was treated as an asset, just like any any other sort of asset. But one thing that it that it doesn't do is is it it's it doesn't allow you to do like the transferable gains asset for like deferred taxes, like you can do with uh, property. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like a like a home or land or whatever it might be. So it's very much so in the same vein as if you take a stock trade and then you try and move that over to another one. The, the IRS views that as sell for dollars buy new, even if you, you make some sort of weird way about moving it around from one stock to another stock. When you do that with crypto, that is the same thing. So moving, yeah. say, Bitcoin to Ethereum or whatever back again is is actually taxable a taxable event. event. I mean, there's pros to this as well. Technically, you can if you bought crypto at fifty thousand dollars and it drops down to five, you could theoretically move 
your amount of crypto you have over to Ethereum and then say the and then take and then count the, take loss, the loss and then move it right back over to you know crypto at a, at a, at a smaller dollar amount. So like you can yeah, you can well you got to be careful with that too. Like that. And this is the the problem. Well, problem something that some people have already run into and more people will continue to run into is that people don't understand taxable events. They don't understand how equities are taxed. They, they trust their brokerage to give them all the right documentation. Right. And right now those brokerages required legally to do so. Yeah. Crypto exchanges are still catching up. Right. And so if, if you asked 50 people on the street, do you know what constitutes a wash sale in crypto? they'd probably look at you like a deer in headlights. (laughs) And the problem with that is like what you were just describing, depending on what you moved from and to could be treated as wash. So you thought you got a $50,000 loss, but what you really did was reset your cost basis to like 22 cents. Yeah. The (laughs) the reality is these things can happen. Use a stable coin. If you were to actually do something like that, not go from one sort of, I don't know, very uh, lucrative asset to another. But the, yeah, no, well, and, and I'm not actually saying that what you described as a wash sale. I'm saying that wash sales are going to happen. And if people are actively trading cryptocurrencies and they think, hey, I, I think I understand how this works and I'm going to go, I'm not a financial advisor, by the way. I just like to throw that out, nor am I a CPA or a tax expert. So <laughs> this is my understanding of this. Do your own but research. Just watch your butts because trading is a taxable event and wash sales are a thing. And just because you think, you're you're taking a loss if you make the wrong moves you might not be over yeah. a short enough period of time and you can actually owe more in tax than you still own in cryptocurrency under those scenarios depending on how the market moves in the meantime and this is so. one reason why i have never moved any position in crypto ever i have literally Smart. never traded any at any point in time i have never sold any i literally yeah. have only ever bought i wish i wish i had done the same that's smart. That's smart. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, I I moved me, stuff, but I didn't really trade until this year, and and so this year is going to be the fun one to figure out from a tax perspective. I got something else that happened uh, yesterday or something that we haven't talked about. I want to bring that up before we run out of time here. Also, hailing back to the fly anywhere in the world, um, it looks like it's actually four hours for a hundred dollars. I was wrong, so I want to correct myself. But anyway, the reason I bring that back up is because a friend just texted me and said. Now we're talking, they will fail, but they will do it spectacularly. The boom supersonic aims to fly anywhere in the world in four hours for hundred dollars. Yeah. For hundred dollars. I mean, it's going to be, anyway. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, that's, but, but I did, I read an article there, their claim that, or that, that push that's a, it's aspirational, right? So they said, obviously a ton of success and a lot higher costs is going to come before they get anywhere close to making it that inexpensive. Yeah. Um, And, and I think realistically, inflation aside, right? Like by the time this is done, a hundred dollars just won't be a hundred dollars anymore. But, um, like what a, what a cool goal to have to get anywhere in the world in four hours for a hundred, 400, like this, that's game changing. That's awesome. It's really cool. I hope they succeed obviously, because scientifically it's freaking awesome. And uh, yeah. and like I said, what a cool aspirational goal. So here's the thing I wanted to get to the F-150 lightning. Oh yeah. I was just looking at an article about that. Yeah. Yeah. So let me let me read off some stats and then I want to get y'all's opinions on it. But uh the thing that like really impressed Joanna uh when we were watching the the uh the reveal, the announcement, all that kind of stuff, it 
in the initial launch, they said it will power your house for three days. And I imagine how many Texans were watching that after the freeze and were like, yes, <laughs> need that, <laughs> need but that, it, but it can't power but, itself for more than 300 miles. Right. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, but there's, I mean, it's a big vehicle, right? And that takes a lot of battery to, to provide that it's kind of torque on that much weight, but it does it. And, and so, in general, actually, so this is something I looked into a lot and we'll get to it. Cause I want to hear the rest of your comments, but, uh, I, I did a lot of research on making basically DIY Tesla power walls. Right. And, uh, and so there's some interesting facts I want to drop on that, but finish your thoughts. Right. Russ, Russ looked at the camera like what, <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, we were, so he, he actually reached out. Tyler did on, the. Uh, because I've experienced buying vehicles on copart.com, which salvage stuff. He's like, Hey man, I found this Tesla thing. I'm thinking about ripping this apart and making my own power wall. And I was like, of course, of course you would. <laughs> he did. He went and did a bunch of research I went on that deep down that but, rabbit hole. Yeah. Apparently lots of people are thinking that because if you go buy a wrecked Tesla on copart, it's, it's not a deal because Ooh. all that stuff is very expensive. Okay. Uh, zero. This, this is the F-150 lightning, which I was interested to see how the market would react because they used to have an F-150 Lightning and I went and looked it up and now they call it the Heritage Lightning. This is the that, one from the early uh, 2000s. That was their super performance F-150, Correct. right? Like yeah, it, which it was is the, now I guess the what, Raptor kind of. Nah, the not Raptor's really. Faster, like, but built more for off-road. The original F-150 Lightning was more built for speed on-road. Yeah. yeah it wasn't it like a, it was a, the fast it was a Mustang truck. engine in a truck. I mean, it was, it was a, was? I think it was. It was a light truck with a with a like the high end Mustang supercharged engine. The four or yeah, uh, five point four Dodge, liter V8. Dodge had yeah, Dodge had an equivalent, horsepower. the RVC or something. They they had a racing vehicle as well, racing truck. I guess would be the but it, but street, you know. Yeah. Anyway, they call that the uh, the Heritage Lightning now. So, but let me yeah. get to the the new one that was just announced: zero to sixty in four point four seconds. Um, Biden proved that right. Yeah, which is pretty quick. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Russ, did you not know that that was the president? You just saw the video and you're like, hey, I think that looks like the president. Or were you no, joking? I, I, I did know. So oh, your, your, your response was, um, the okay. joke was on you. Yeah, the joke's on me. All right. <laughs> well, I was trying to figure out how he would have seen it and not seen that seen his name attached to it anyway i was just trying i was just trying to get biden to respond to me i thought it would be cool but whatever it was you instead so since you responded and confirmed it he was like oh i have no, no need i don't now. need to respond now oh, you know, i really handled you. it oh, i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah joke was on me so zero to 16 4.4 seconds sub 40k price tag or one bitcoin really up to 300 <laughs> miles <laughs> got to up to 300 miles of range. <laughs> That's funny for a couple of reasons, right? Uh, 65,000 charging locations around the world. That's 60, impressive. 62,000, that, that something like that. But that's yeah. not, I mean, still not enough. This is, Russ and I got into this on, on Twitter. But I want to know what that is. Is that Ford built or are they leveraging supercharging it's, stations? It's, yeah. it's built Ford tough is what <laughs> <laughs> okay i gotta go so here's the here's the powertrain <laughs> so with 420 kilowatts of total power which is equivalent to roughly 563 horsepower and seven 775 uh foot pounds of torque which let me compare that to the f-250 that i have which is a 6.7 liter uh, turbo diesel v8 it only does 450 horsepower does a little bit more torque, 935 foot pounds of torque. And if you understand diesel impressive. engines and how they work, yeah, that's that's why it kind of works that way. But mm -hmm. my goodness, 563 horsepower, that's that is impressive. And 775 foot pounds of torque. 
it's really incredible for the first model. Yeah. I love that about electric vehicles though. Like they, they will trounce, especially for like carry capacity, they will trounce traditional, you know, internal combustion engine vehicles on on a lot of that in in potentially smaller packages, right? Just because of how electric motors work. But the, the big problem in, in I see for this is that like, the announcements that were made talk about the the mile ratings. There's some disappointment there anyways, because they're saying what 300 miles out of the gate is roughly what they expect to be able to get on the truck. I think there was a range, but they don't quote the range. If you're dragging, you know, the 10,000 pound payload that they're saying you can, you can drag cool that you can drag it. But if you only go 120 miles, you're going to need a lot more than 60,000 charging locations. Also, that's going to be a painful fill up your battery kind of trip. This is this is a good point to bring up because uh, I think you know I, I'm complaining about the 300 miles. And look, if if there was ever a company that I was a fanboy of, the closest it would probably be is Ford, because I've never owned another vehicle. I've never purchased another vehicle. I have owned. I have driven two F-150s my entire life, and I have purchased three vehicles: my truck and two of my wife's cars. They've all been not only just from the not only Fords, but they've been from the same dealership and the same person. So like. The fact that Ford has annoyed me here, if, if we're going to take that at its weight, it must be somewhat heavier than most of them, even though I, I'll bash pretty much any company. Is it annoying? I mean, I, th- I think it's impressive for the first it's, vehicle. It's not. And this is why. Okay. Ah. You mentioned that it's heavy. It's not that heavy. Okay. It is, it is 6,500 pounds. The Hummer, how much do you think the Hummer weighs? The Hummer EV. Oh, just oh Hummer EV. I don't 7, know. 7,200. Yeah. Let's let's say somewhere around give or take nine thousand forty six pounds <laughs> and a half, and and it does wow. three fifty miles. Wow. So it does well, fifty yeah. miles more, which is not much. That's not, be- not much better. Not much so let's more. go now. Let's go to the Rivian, which I I think is probably just you know spec wise looking at it seems to be slightly more impressive in a couple different areas, but it it has uh, a four hundred mile range, which with its large battery. And it weighs a little less. It's 5,886 pounds, but it's, it's relatively close um, to, the, to the Ford and can get 100 miles further. And it has more horsepower, 754, uh, more foot pounds of torque. It can tow yeah. more weight. Hmm. So it, there are specs in every single direction that beat the yeah. Ford and have more mileage than them. So what that tells me is, is they made a Google decision and they put a small <laughs> battery in it. So put a bigger battery in it and charge, you yeah. know, some of these are expensive, right? So like the, the Hummer is $112,000. Yeah. Make $112,000 F-150 with a really big battery. Like give, sure, give me the option. Is, yeah, is, yeah, hey, what do you think the chances are that this Ford electric vehicle will catch on fire in your garage when you're, when you're young in the 90s? Pretty high? See, I had I have had a completely comment. different experience <laughs> with Ford us. in my life. I did. I time time no, it's funny. I, well, who <laughs> who would I be in this podcast if I didn't pose the counter argument against Ford? Um, I, I own and drive a Ford right now, but it actually disappointed me greatly re- recently because I've only got a little over fifty thousand miles on it, and the fork in my transmission for gear five and six shattered, uh, which killed some of my. Um, 
Sounds like transmission a bad parts. shifter problem, Mr. Manual It's driver. actually not. The synchros die if you're bad at shifting. The forks die because they're designed poorly, and this is now known in Ford transmissions, manual transmissions. Poorly. So, so that's my most recent one. But my old one was my dad had a Ford that 10 years after it started itself and caught on fire in our garage, burning down part of our house, what? Ford finally admitted it was because they had a starter problem. Well, you know, the <laughs> Ford is driver returning on foot backwards. So I don't know <laughs> or found on road dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> when, did your, when did your house burn down? Was that before? Uh, I 90, 92, 91, 92. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it was elementary school. Crazy. Yeah. Listen, before, you before can't I mean. talk to me about bad experiences with Ford when you go and you buy a Ford. I know, I know. I thought made you the I person thought, who didn't buy one. No, because I well, you know, back to I can rag on brands all I want. I do not have this weird emotional I'll never do it, you know, bone in my body. So I figured two decades was long enough for them to work out the kinks. And and I was just wrong. I'm sorry. I mean, it I didn't to, catch on fire. This a, time. I have to tell a super quick story, <laughs> and I know we got to shut it down. But you mentioned that, so uh, I, I'm obviously the same way. My dad's kind of the same way too; doesn't hold a lot of brand loyalty. So he had remember. I remember whenever it was in the '90s, my dad had bought a uh, a new Dodge truck, and I just remember whenever he had gone and bought it, we were driving back. He goes, "It just it's a really good deal for the truck. It it, it makes a lot of sense. It's practical." He's like, "I've never really liked Dodges because they had a lot of problems in the '70s." Uh, but they, I, th I think they've done better now. They've had some time to mature. <laughs> Lo and behold, now that truck did last quite a while, but its demise is hilarious. Hi. He, he was driving down the highway and his transmission quite literally fell out the back oh, of the, of the vehicle. Oh, no. <laughs> what? Oh, and so no. it's just it's just how funny how happen? he had the same mentality. He's like, yeah, you know, it's been 20 years. They've probably done much better now. And he's driving down the road and the, the transmission just fell drops. out the back That's of the truck. Horrifying. Uh, that blows which my ironically mind. is a reason why I actually probably wouldn't buy a Dodge right now is because I, I know of that moment in time that, that happened to my dad. Well, so it's just well, and that's, funny. Go ahead. Well, I was just I, like, my brain is struggling with how would a transmission just fall out? <laughs> like having built a car there, I realized through that process, there are so many other things like it's actually pretty a amazing. lot of stuff has to fail. Well, a lot of stuff has to fail for a transmission to fall out, but it's actually my, my brain went to, it is really amazing at the number of cars that don't just have a bunch of random things fail on them all the time. Like, I mean, go down the litany of, of things, but there's so much that is the majority so... of cars don't have a bunch of random things. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Majority of it's, cars, you it's know, actually a fine. modern miracle that cars work as well as they do, I guess is what I'm trying to get at there. But a transmission falling out a lot. Yeah, of that's crazy. Fail. Yeah. Well, no. way to go. Dodge. So, <laughs> right. That's, uh, that's that's what happened. But anyway, it was just it reminded me of that. Didn't get you know, house on fire. But what? What kills me about this, though, is that, like I said, I, I, that's not really my gut reaction. As, as crazy as the story about the starter and the house fire that we had, right? Like, I did end up buying a Ford again. And it was a really fun, and it's been a very reliable car. And then it just crapped the bed at 50,000 miles. And it's like, what? What? That's not appropriate. Yeah, count, <laughs> counter that with my two trucks have a combined... 400,000 miles on. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's you know. that's what modern cars should last 200,000 miles with general maintenance, not catastrophic transmission failures.
that fall out the back of your vehicle while you're driving <laughs> down 75 in North so, Texas. <laughs> I was talking to somebody about this though. Like the, the, the Ford F-150, um, EV is exciting. I think one, cause I like the way it looks, which is great. I think F-150 obviously is a really solid brand. Um, no question there. Right. But what, what I am concerned about is the same stuff we saw with Tesla early on, which, which was the quality of that first run was not really up to snuff. And, yeah. and I like my brain wants to give Ford the benefit of the doubt here and say, you've been building really good trucks for a long time. You're going to do all the right things in your processes and your, your quality control is going to be high. But I think there's a high likelihood that they're going to make some really big mistakes with the quality on that first pass. I think it's good to be skeptical because even with their hybrid um, F-150, which I was, uh, whenever we were buying my wife's expedition recently, like two months ago or whatever it was, I was talking to the guy who we've, we've bought our vehicles from, or my wife was actually, and basically she was telling him like, hey, he's looking at this hybrid F-150. He has some interest in it. And he, he called me and said, he was like, hey, I, I wouldn't do it, at least not right now. Um, yeah. And he basically was telling me, he's like, we've had a few people who, you know, basically pre-ordered them, got them here pretty early. And they have been in the shop for six months trying to figure out some problems with them. So like that, that's an early run of a, yeah, not to say a hybrid's not a dramatically different take. It is a pretty strong difference between a traditional yeah. engine. But, you know, it's probably more radical to go all electric. And, uh, you know, who knows what sort of problems are going to run into. So they, they've had some problems even in the hybrid space, which I yeah. suspect they will, they will get past here in the near future. I'm sure they'll fix their current ones and their future ones will be better. But I think that, you know, it's, it's good to be skeptical of some of these first run vehicles, regardless yeah. of the track record of the company. Well, it, 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 it's really good to keep your head on straight because EVs are basically tech platforms. And, Anyone that's super familiar with technology is is aware of the fact that early adopters pay a, a different price than than the sticker, right? You're gonna find the bugs. You're gonna find the goofy stuff. And uh, I'm sorry, I have to interrupt real quick. And I know we have to shut it down. The, there's a front trunk on the F150. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Like, the like the best part of F1 or uh, EVs, outlets. man. I'm going to buy one right now. It's got wallets right? in there. It's called a frunk. It's crazy, I want right? a frunk. <laughs> it's wild. <sighs> it's legit. And what don't they have? They've got that. Uh, so behind the cabin, there's a uh, that channel because the you know the batteries oh, where are you can flat. Those rifles? rays are flat. Well, it's yes. I they they go with snowboards, but uh, sure, rifles oh, are yeah. usually shorter than those. Well, I live in Texas. Usually, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Better than, it's better than the well. floor of your of your truck. It's Rivian like a, actually has like a full ready to go camping like loadout that fits in that that uh extra storage space which is really cool maybe i think I'll we'll see a lot of stuff break like that the cycle maybe maybe we don't know oh hey what, that was one last thing i want to mention because i brought it up um so we were talking about the range versus running your house for a few days and stuff like that well so so a tesla powerwall right is uh until recently i think i think at tesla just announced they think they're going to be able to double this but 7200 kilowatt hours is what a single powerwall is capable of outputting right um and uh like for my house demand which is a stupid amount of electric demand for whatever reason i'd need four of those uh, which is why I'm not getting them because they're insanely expensive right now. But I would need four Tesla power walls to get it done, which is about 30,000 kilowatts, right? And 
and and that is almost a third of what's in the hot the long range Teslas today. Tesla's long range batteries are between seventy eight kilowatt hours and and uh, and ninety kilowatt hours. So like running a house for three days off of a truck that has that big of a battery in it is nothing like those vehicles demand a lot more power than your house does than your toaster. Oh. Yeah. Shut it down. <laughs> I gotta all get your it. toasters. I got to go too. shut it down. <laughs> all right. That brings another tech breakfast podcast to a close. We hope everybody enjoyed it. Sure. Woke me up. I hope it woke you up. Enjoy your day. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for supporting us. Bye-bye. Ford, you're awesome. Apple and Google, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> Booyah, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs>